there. Welcome to the LSAT Demon Daily. I'm Matt Dumont, an LSAT teacher and tutor at the LSAT Demon and 3L at the University of Maryland School of Law. With me is Sarah Chahansky, a master's student in intelligence analysis at Johns Hopkins University and a recent Demon student. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing happy great. to be here. I'm happy to be here too. I'm happy because we're here to talk about um, your journey and uh, uh, your LSAT success, which is so awesome. I'm thrilled uh, that you were willing to come on the show and talk about it. And so I'm going to start off with asking, um, what was your journey? Where did you start from with your cold diagnostic and uh, where did you end up? Well, numerically, um, starting, I started out with a 144. Um, okay. and totally in the wheelhouse it's... of what's pretty <laughs> typical of, of people, right? Like a lot of people start in the 140s. Where did you end up? I ended up at a 161, That's which great. I was really happy with. It took about nine months to get there, um, but I was so happy to go up 17 points. 17 points of improvement, and you were a different candidate. You know, 144, if you improve, like, say, a couple of points to 146, 148, you might get into some of the schools that are really kind of at the bottom. But with a 161, you're getting into good schools free potentially. And um, I just want to like highlight how big of a difference that is. So kudos, congratulations to you. Um, did you think about uh, continuing to study and maybe pushing for a couple more points? I did think about that. And if this admission cycle doesn't go as well as I hope, maybe I'll do that. Okay. Um, I did take the LSAT um, when I started my journey um, twice and I got 145 both times so i already have those two tests on the record so i only have like one lsat left for like the five tests in five years so i'm just anxious about using that up but um i'm not opposed to that i just need a little break right now because i um when you're at it for too long even though you're making progress it gets a little um you know um when is this am i actually making progress you start to second guess yourself and question yourself and um right now i'm glad to see that i made the progress but um i I just want to take a moment and breathe and just see what happens. Totally. So are you in the application process now then? Um, Because you said you're going to see how this application uh, cycle goes. So where, what kind of um, law schools are you looking at? Um, Where are you looking? So I live in New Jersey and um, for financial reasons, I kind of want to stay local. Um, I mean, unless there's a great opportunity elsewhere, I'm not. Could be. Could be. To that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in New Jersey, there's Seton Hall and Rutgers, so I'm definitely going to apply to those schools. Um, but also, the city's pretty close, so um, yeah. there's New York Law, Brooklyn Law, Pace. Well, Pace isn't really the city, but nearby. So is Hofstra sure. and um, Cardozo, and maybe Fordham's a reach for me right now, but um, I'm going to apply to Fordham, too, just because, yeah. you know, that's cool. See what happens. I mean, um, if I remember right, you you might be a little bit under um, Fordham's uh, um, like 50th. I think they're meeting. Yeah, is, definitely. Is... So my expectations aren't too high, but yeah, but it depends on what your yeah, it, it depends on what your GPA is and, and that kind of stuff, too. Um, and a lot of those other schools, you're totally going to be in the wheelhouse for for um, with your 161. And I would expect some awesome uh, scholarships to come your way with those acceptances, which is super, super great. So um, I would love to ask you, you know, like what helped you in your studies? Um, what helped you get from that? Uh, uh, you, you said you took it twice and got a 145 and then you got a 161. That's a huge, huge increase on the official tests. So what helped you 
get from the 144 to um, the 161? Well, I guess I'm going to start with my um, whole story because that I can't really answer that question without yeah, starting from please. the beginning. Please do. So um, originally, um, when I was in a part, I was part of a three plus three program. So basically what that is, is when you're applying for undergrad, um, some schools, very few have this, but um, they have a program where like it's three years of whatever your undergraduate major is and then three years of law school. And you get in as um, when you're applying from high school or when you're first applying and then there's a set amount of requirements. And as long as you meet them by the middle of your third year of undergrad, you can continue with the program. So basically, I had met almost every requirement except for the LSAT score requirement. So I was a little bit um, crushed about that. Um, but at that time, I also didn't realize the LSAT was something you're supposed to study for for a while and sure. work on and improve on. Um, I kind of like I did OK on the SAT in high school, but um I didn't really realize that the LSAT was like 75% of admissions either. So I kind of took, um, took my chances and I kind of learned the hard way that that's not how it works. And I gave up for a while. I got my master's instead. Well, I'm working on it. I'm going to get it in two weeks. Um, but I decided to go for my master's instead. Thank you very much. And then, um, for some time, I really thought, um, that going to law school or becoming a lawyer was like that I wasn't capable of it because of that. But then I started to look into, um, the process of studying for the LSAT and law school admissions. And it turns out I really hadn't done my research at all. I kind of um, overlooked that part, which is a crucial part, which it was kind of good. Everything happened the way it did because now I'm a lot more prepared. Um, mm -hmm. But around February, I started picking up studying again just to see like, oh, maybe if I can improve, maybe I should keep at this because this is something I've wanted for a while and sure. kind of my career goal. And um I started with the demon in February. I found out about it on like a Facebook group. Um, someone just randomly recommended it in a comment and I figured, oh, let me try it. I tried it, um, the, the basic membership first, and then I just, um, eventually made my way up to live. And, um, I think what the main thing about the demon that helped me was the, the mindset, the no BS mindset that Nathan kind of perpetuates, um, sure. because, when you're studying and especially when it's just you in the room um, and you're only answering to yourself, it's easy to say, oh, I made this mistake because of this or, oh, I really know that I just like wasn't feeling it. But like the LSAT doesn't really care if you weren't feeling it that day or if you were thinking, but you know, but you don't know. The LSAT doesn't care. At the end of the day, you there's four wrong answers and one right answer. And um, no matter what excuse you have in your head for why you got something wrong or right, like you just got to do it and you either got it or you didn't and it doesn't matter and if you didn't get it it doesn't say anything about your character necessarily which in the past i kind of correlated yep. the two but um it was really just nathan's um no bs mindset and also like i learned the importance of like having a consistent routine with like drilling doing sections practice tests blind review um and just pinpointing my weak areas and working on them but it really just started with that mindset that's awesome and and i I, I love that you're pointing towards like the mindset of things. And, and some of the things I just want to kind of draw out is it seems like you were talking about, Hey, my job here is to understand the question, right? It's, it's not about my character. It's not about my intelligence. It's like today I don't understand this, this particular question tomorrow. I'm going to understand it. And that's the job of the LSAT, which is so great. Um, I, I just can't agree with that more. Um, and I'm so glad that that, uh, came with you because that's also something that you can take with you to law school 
where you go and read a case and you're like, I don't necessarily understand this concept today. That's not a testament of my character. The testament of my character is that I'm going to understand it tomorrow because that's my job. And that's so great. It's such a valuable lesson to learn from the LSAT that carries over into um, law school. That's so awesome. Uh, okay, so you studied with us for a while. Um, you did some basic, you did some live. Um, what uh, what demon stuff really helped you, um, you think, the most? You talked about like some drilling and that kind of stuff, but um, what's the the stuff that you like really got those clicks um, so we could point some people towards those things? Um, I definitely the um, live classes, which I know not everyone is going to be able to um, afford that or partake in that. But totally. some of the takeaways from the live classes, um, and I guess this applies even if you're not in the live classes, is just asking questions when you're confused, especially with like the ask button as well. Um, because if you don't ask, like it's not magically going to come to you overnight, even if you hope it does. Right. And um, so at first I was afraid to ask things because I thought like, oh, I should know this or it's a little silly that I don't. And it was really in a class with like Francesca that I realized like, oh, I just kept there was this one time I just kept on asking and she wasn't bothered at all. And she kept explaining till I got it. And it was at that point I realized like I'm really not going to get it unless I start doing that. So I guess just asking questions was a huge thing. So the ask. Well, I didn't really use the ask button that much, but I guess for people who don't have live, the ask button is a great feature, but also realizing that um you have to kind of have a plan that you have to stay committed to that's another thing that really solidified um because without the plan and even also without the um, the practice test and the blind review if you're not really doing the practice test it's really hard to gauge where you are which at the beginning i don't think that's as important but as you're moving along um it's good to it check really in shows, here and there yeah. right like to be like hey i took my cold diagnostic a while ago and now like where am I? Question mark. It's good to it, it's good to check in with that, I think, you know, um, yes. periodically. I wouldn't recommend it even every week, but like once a month. Yeah, twice a just month, stay maybe. Consistent, yeah, totally. making sure it's not all like um, for well, no, I don't want to say it's not all for fun, but just making sure it's worthwhile what I'm doing. And if I'm not, that's OK. But I guess if I would realize that I would kind of just modify what I was doing and see where yeah. I was going wrong. Yeah. Like what's working? Are you getting results? And those results might be uh, small at first or small at last. Um, as, but as long as you're making some sort of progress, uh, then you can go, okay, this seems to be unlocking things for me. Okay. So you talked about a uh, study routine, you know, like what was your study schedule? How, um, how much did you study a week for instance, or per day, or like what, what was your sort of routine, um, that you regularly adhered to? So what I tried to do from the beginning was, um, an hour a day. Um, and I kind of aimed for that six days a week. Um, and sometimes I stuck to it better than others, but as I kind of started moving forward in the journey, I kind of tried to make that hour, um, two hours when I had time. And, um, towards the middle of my journey, I started to do a practice test, um, like once a month. And then towards the end, it became like every two weeks just to make sure, like, am I really ready for this? I didn't want to waste my, um, my um, attempts because I don't really have that many left because of the beginning of my journey. I just tried to um, do an hour a day, which became two hours a day, which then became, you know, the practice test every, every month. Yeah. And of course you were doing other things while you were studying, you know, getting yes. your master's at uh, uh, this, the school that's uh, incidentally 
right down the street from me at Johns Hopkins um, here in Baltimore, uh, though I understand they have campuses elsewhere as well, um, uh, which is so great. Like you didn't say, hey, this is the only thing I'm doing. You carried on with your life and got additional things that are going to help you in your life and in your career um, while also studying, but making it a priority, right? Like, Like an hour or two a day was enough to make progress if you said, hey, this is a really important hour or two a day. I'm going to get some clicks out of this. I'm going to squeeze these berries for their juice. Yes. And I think two of the biggest like revelations from the demon I had was one making worlds because I guess like you kind of do that and you don't realize what they are. So that Mm -hmm. was like a huge major click. Talking about worlds and logic games, right? We're baking in the rules. We're solving the system. In order, we're doing that work up front in order to answer the questions really quickly, which is absolutely a, it. You're building the car once. It changes everything. It changes everything. It's so good. Okay, awesome. So worlds, great, awesome. What else? And then there was this um, one podcast over the summer that discussed um, reading comprehension and how um, when you're reading the sentences, it should be, um, I think, like um, Mario Kart or. Super Mario, maybe. I'm not too familiar with the video game, although I know it's pretty iconic. Um, (laughs) But when you're reading a sentence, if you don't get it, don't wait till like the end of the passage to reread the whole thing. Like if you don't Mm. get the sentence, reread the sentence there that each sentence was kind of like a check mark at the end of like Super Mario. And like if you don't get that check mark, you got to go back. And that's what I started doing with reading comp over the summer. And it helped me like not date days off during the passages and even though it would have been tempting to do so. And you think, oh, I'm going to save time. And then you end up wasting more time. And that was a really helpful trick too. I'm going to also double down on the idea that that's a really useful skill to cultivate and like habit to cultivate towards your law school, because you're going to be reading so much in law school, you know, like 500 pages a week type things, which seems crazy. uh, But 1L is hard. Uh, There's a lot of reading there. You're going to be reading for multiple classes every week, a lot of material. And you don't have time to like skim this thing sort of haphazardly and then go back and read it a second time or even a third time in order to get what the meaning is out of this case or this reading or assignment or whatever. And so again, like going, hey, did I understand what they just said? Yes. Great. No, I need to reread that sentence. Another good habit that you're building during your LSAT studies that absolutely applies to law school and you're setting yourself up for success there as a student, which is just so great. Awesome. So uh, I want to ask, do you know where you're looking at schools? Um, What kind of law you want to go into? Like, what's the journey from here? Yeah, so um, I guess we discussed some of the schools earlier, but as for like law, um, I'm not 100% sure. I'm pretty open. Last year, I was working at a law firm for a little bit that focused in tax um, resolution and bankruptcy, and I didn't love those too much, but I did (laughs) learn. I did learn a lot from like being a legal assistant, and I like that. I ended up deciding to focus on my master's full time, um, so I didn't stick with that position. But um, I'm thinking um, because of my master's, possibly national security um, law, but I know that's like a very competitive and like selective field, so I don't want to like bank on that either. But like that would be 
great. Um, like um, one of my professors um, that I had um, at Hopkins, Mark Zaid, he did legal issues and intelligence and um, he has his own firm in DC and he's like a whistleblower attorney. And like, huh? if I could do something like he does, I would love to do that. I just great. don't know how feasible, but also um, I, I think doing estates would be cool too, just because um, I lost my dad recently and I just saw everything my mom went through. And I feel like it would be um, pretty cool to, help people during that type of time whether it's probate or um making a will or whatnot sort of like helping people plan their retirement plan their end of life that kind of stuff yeah especially because um well my dad ended up passing away early because he had um, cancer four times thank you i appreciate it although um that's not the point here um but anyway um i guess that experience kind of taught me um that's a really tough time in people's lives no matter like if what role you play how well prepared you are yeah. So um, just to have someone who knows what it's like and that's competent and cares and can take care of things for you that you can trust. So whether you're doing you're doing your arrangements before or after the fact, whether that means enjoying time with your loved ones in the present or being able to cope emotionally after the fact when somebody is gone, just um, it's one less problem, kind of. So that's definitely sure. something I'd want to be interested in. Um, maybe if that's not my career, maybe even as like pro bono, just because of my past history, because yeah. um, that's something near and dear to my heart. Yeah, no. And that makes sense. And there's uh, opportunities for pro bono things. Uh, in fact, it, as you will learn uh, um, <laughs> when you get into your legal professionalism class, uh, pro bono and like volunteer lawyer work is something that the uh, the ethics rules encourage strongly um, because they want, of course, attorneys Yes, we need attorneys to be successful and and make money and pay their bills and and do those kind of things. But it's really part of our duty as public servants to help um, people who can't necessarily afford these services get them um, when they need them. So I'm sure that you will have opportunities to do that if you look for them. Um, Homeland Security seems pretty cool, too. And uh, there's definitely I mean, there's definitely jobs in that kind of stuff, especially in the DC market and that kind of thing. Um, and so, uh, I, I hope that you find that career path, but some advice that was given to me and I, I certainly pass on to you and, and any of the listeners is have an open mind, right? We, I went to school with this idea of being like, I'm going to go be an appellate attorney, whatever that means. And through school, I discovered some things that I really like and some things that I really don't. It sounds like you might not be a bankruptcy attorney in the future, which is, that's a good thing to know, right? Maybe um, that's not the right career path for you, but you might find something that like property law, for instance, that's kind of related to wills, trusts, and estates. You might go, that's the thing for me um, and uh, just make that discovery in law school. So being open is super, super awesome, but also having an idea of what's kind of inspiring you to go also super awesome because that can point you towards some particular schools that could be you know, strong in that area, um, uh, uh, have opportunities in that area. And so I, I think the world is your oyster in that respect. New York's probably going to have a lot of stuff towards Homeland mm-hmm. Security, given the UN and the oh, um, yes. uh, interests there, the government interests and all that kind of stuff. Super awesome. I'm thrilled. I'm, I can't wait to, to hear where your um, story goes. So I would love to ask you what advice you might have for people that are you know, just starting out or um, just starting with the demon, um, those kind of things, uh, any advice that you might have that was successful on your own journey 
um, towards theirs? Yeah, sure. So um, I guess the biggest thing first is don't give up. And I know that's so, so simple, but um, that's initially kind of what I did, but I ended up re-deciding. Being determined is the biggest thing that you could do in your LSAT journey, because that's what's going to push you to study. That's what's going to push you to improve and see results. So um, just being determined and not letting like little things get to you because you might not always see your progress. It takes sometimes a while to see. But if you're developing the foundation for something, you're you're maybe not going to see that, but it's going to pay off in the long run. But if you don't spend those that long time in the beginning, you might not see that pay off in the long run. So that's that's one. The second thing is, I guess, um, when things don't go your way, um, that's not necessarily indicative of failure. But um, sometimes it's redirects you for a purpose and you're going to be better off that you are redirected for that purpose. And that might not be the case for everyone. But if you are redirected, my advice would be um, maybe it's not forever, but like maybe there's a reason behind it. So um, I guess be open to whatever happens. And um, my next piece of advice, and I guess probably my last is um, just trust the process and Nathan's um no BS attitude and um all that and the kind of tough love sometimes it's at first it was a little intimidating don't let it intimidate you and kind of just like trust the process because if it was ineffective you guys wouldn't be here if you guys suck <laughs> we wouldn't be here um but that's clearly not the case it, there's this method clearly clearly produces results but um if you get scared away at the beginning you're not going to ever see how great it can be and um it's never to be mean it's always so that you can improve but it's not always easy to see that when you're first starting totally so i think um what what it sounds like to me is that you're encouraging people to like give it the college try right like yeah if at first you don't succeed try and try again yeah Um, now uh, that being said there are some people who are going to start this journey and then go, eh, this isn't for me. Great. Like that's a great discovery as well. Or this isn't for me right now, which it seems kind of like that was your journey. Like this wasn't for me right now. And you went and got your master's and now you're going back to it because you have been drawn back again. And as you said yourself, you feel better set up for success. Now law school is still going to be there five years from now for anyone who's thinking about this now you could go, oh, yeah, I could go right now. Or you could go get some work experience or um, a different degree or dabble in some other area that is interesting to you. Law school is still going to be there if you come back to it later. And I think you've set yourself up for better success because your journey wasn't a straight line. It was a little circuitous. And now you know more what you want to do. You have better skill sets, all those kind of things which I think is a really valuable um, lesson to take away from your journey from my perspective. So awesome. Uh, I just want to ask the the sort of final question is, is that um, if you have anything else to add, uh, if there's anything you want to say that uh, you haven't yet mentioned, um, uh, it's been just so great to have you on the show. Sure. Yeah. So um, don't give up, be open and trust the process, which is kind of what I just said, but too long, don't read version. Um, and um, I just wanted to thank everyone at the Demon. I want to thank you, um, Ben, Nathan, Francesca, everybody. Um, everybody's been so great um, in supporting me and just like all the students throughout every step of the process. Um, I 
would not have been able to do it without you guys. And I say that sincerely. And um, just for anyone who is on the fence about using the, the demon, I just highly recommend it. I can't recommend it enough. And that's just from my own personal experience. Because I went from thinking I'm not capable of going to law school to actually being in a position where I can apply and do well. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm very, um, I'm so grateful. And that's, 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 I just want to make that known. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you for being an awesome student uh, uh, in my class and everyone. Um, we may have helped show you the door, but you walked through it. You're the one who did it, the effort, who spent the time um, getting from point A to point B. And I just want to highlight uh, your accomplishment so much. My fingers are super crossed for uh, uh, all of your acceptances and scholarship offers. Um, please let us know how that turns out. Um, uh, oh, definitely. Our, our fingers are crossed for you. And I can't wait to talk to you as a colleague and peer in the legal field. It's going to be awesome. Um, if you'd like to be on the show, uh, please email uh, daily at lsatdemon.com. If you'd like to ask us a question or share some LSAT or law school admissions news, Thank you so much for being on the show, Sarah. Thanks for listening. 